Hello, welcome to Cross Defense, your weekly dose of worldview demolition, breaking down the strongholds of bad opinions, false notions of the enemy, the stupid ideas that people cling to, to give them hope in themselves and their own good works. We're going to attack them all with the strength of the Lord's Word and the kindness of Jesus. I'm Pastor Brian Wolfmuller, your host, uh, pastor of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado, and I'll be with you uh, for the next hour. We have three guests on the show today uh, joining us to talk about uh, the world the way it goes wrong, the way Christ wants to set it right, the confidence that we have in theology, and all that kind of stuff. First, Pastor Sean Denzer of Trinity Lutheran Church in Great Bend, North Dakota, and also Peace Lutheran Church in Barney, North Dakota. Pastor Denzer, welcome. It's great to be here. Thank you. Hey, long time no see. Yeah, that's right. We just uh, enjoyed Pastor Wolfmuller up in our neck of the woods for a nice little Higher Things retreat over the weekend with our youth. How fantastic was that to see, what, 85, 80, 85 youth gathered together to uh, to study the scriptures and learn about the conscience? And they were just, they, they were right there. They were, uh, you know, Christian young people rejoicing in the Lord's word. It was fantastic. Mm-hmm. We also have second guest, Pastor Rob Rebau, who is, uh, he is the director of emerging products at Concordia Publishing House. Is that right, Pastor Rebau? Well, uh, just the developer, a developer of emerging products, yes. Here at Concordia Publishing House, we focus on making uh, those web-based products that, that people enjoy. Church 360 members and uh, Unite and Ledger, and we're also working on the new version of the Lutheran Service Builder. Right on. Uh, and our third guest is Dr. Francis Pieper, who's not joining us live. He is in glory already, but he is uh, joining us through his book, Christian Dogmatics, where he's, he's still introducing us to theology. If anybody's listening and, uh, you know, they're driving along, but you've got Pieper in the front seat because you drive along with Christian Dogmatics, Volume 1, with you, we're going to start on page 109 and talk about science and theology and really theology and apologetics. It's a big topic. Uh, what is what is the proper place of apologetics uh, of defending the faith in in Christian theology? And so we're going to take up that topic uh, this afternoon, uh, gentlemen. I want to start with this question, which uh, which hopefully will warm us up and get us in uh, to the text. Um, we talked last week about is theology a science, and Pieper answered that, and he says, well, it depends on what you think about science. If you want to call science the things we can learn from nature, then answer, no, it's not a science, because we learn theology from the Scripture itself. But if you want to call science being certain of what you know, to have a certainty of knowledge, then not only is theology a science, theology is the only science. Theology is the only way we know something for sure. Now, that's a bold statement, uh, but that's going to launch us into the conversation now. So I want to hear your thoughts about that, theology and science, and the boldness and certainty that theology gives us. Uh, Pastor Denzer, what are your thoughts? Uh, it's difficult. I, uh, we hear the word truth tossed around a lot, and yet I think the word truth is probably not really appreciated as much today. Uh, I think the question of whether there is such a thing as truth is is uh, most people think that's a very good question. The answer is no, there is no real truth, nothing that is a static, nothing that's universal for everyone. Uh, theology still dares to, to dabble in truth, and of course that's because Jesus says, I am the truth myself, uh, and uh, everyone who's of the truth will listen to my voice, and I've come for this purpose to testify to the truth, uh, and, and something that we absolutely can know. Uh, if we have time, I know we're going to get to the certainty of salvation, that we can actually know something about God. We can have absolute confidence in this. Uh, 
science, uh, by which I mean kind of like the empirical sciences, um, studies of nature, study of physics, chemistry, biology, there are great things that we are learning and discovering and, and understanding and also postulating and then trying to test and see if that's also true. But science doesn't really deal in truth exactly the same way. It deals in probability. Um, we're quite sure this is the way things work. This is this is our um, absolute best theories, and we have a lot of evidence to back that up and support that. Although science is very comfortable working with models of things, uh, you know, saying you know this is this is the best suggestion, and and we can make a lot of hay with this. And yet, of course, there's always the opportunity for something new to come along and displace that, and to say, well. Now we have to reconsider the way we understand this. That's that's not in the same realm, even I don't think as as truth. And and that's what Pieper's getting at when he says, actually, there's a way you can understand theology as as the only science. That's beautiful, Pastor Reba. Yes, uh, theology is uh, the queen of sciences. If you take science by the definition that Pieper gives us, which or do we want to know what's true? Do we want to know the truth behind the universe? If we want to know the truth behind the universe, then we need to know what God teaches us about the creation, about the fall, about the spiritual reality of what's around us. Science hits a brick wall at times when it's trying to explain uh, even something as simple as why is death. You know, we, we struggle with scientific explanations for the whys of the things that we observe. And science, um, that natural science at, at its best, is dealing with observable truth, getting to the bottom of observable truth. But it can't go beyond the observations to find the, 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 the answers to the whys of the universe. Theology provides us the answer to the why by giving us uh, knowledge of the mind of God brought to us through the Scripture. I want to push on that a little bit, and Pastor Denzer, uh, bring you in on that, so that uh, one of the limitations of what we call modern science, or we might call it scientism, or basically naturalism and materialism, which says that the universe is only the stuff we can measure, and you can never get beyond that. I mean, if you can't measure it, it's not true. And science limits its... Scientism limits its conversation to just the things that you can measure. And if that's the case, and tell me if, Pastor Reba, this is what you're thinking. If that's the case, then you can, you can never know the, the true cause or the true goal of something. I mean, everything is just a cause or an effect. You know, this, this atom bounces into that atom, and then that atom bounces into another atom. And, and so, but that's as close as you can get to a cause. You can't get to a, uh, to anything beyond the material uh, cause and effect of things. And so you can never get to the purpose, both the intent of creation, the intent of the universe, and the goal of the universe. Those are completely beyond the realm of of scientism and naturalism. Is is that what you're indicating, Pastor Reba? Am I hearing you right? Yes, yes. You can never get to the, the, the cause. You can never get to uh, what's behind all of this, or, or even where is this going? You know, we can only talk about observable facts. Pastor Denzer, any thoughts on that? I, I think that's a really actually intriguing thing to, to meditate on a little bit because um, it, it reminds me, I mean, just to throw some more wood on the fire here, but it reminds me how Luther takes on Aristotle and Aristotle's definition of man. Aristotle said that, that man is a rational being, a rational animal. And Luther says, well, but look, Aristotle doesn't know where man was created 
and he doesn't know where man is destined to go. He just can see what's right in front of him, but he can't see what was, and he doesn't have a true history. He doesn't have a true creation, and he can't see what's going. He, he can't see the fulfillment of all this in the resurrection. And so his definition of man is completely uh, emaciated because it, it doesn't have the why, the, the first why and the, and the last why. Uh, thoughts on that, Pastor Denzer? I think maybe there's a way in which this is okay. I mean, I mean, saying that science has its, you know, its own limitations and it and it works within this box. I think that can be helpful so long as it's willing and comfortable and, and content to to live in that box. You know, to observe the things around us and and understand as they are, as they appear to us, and and what their use is, is very has has great benefits. And and so much of technology and the things we love today um, are are a result of that, a fruit of that. That's very useful, um, but but I like the, especially the one of of where's it going. That science has a real hard time making any judgments about you know what's right, um, just what is. And uh, I think there's a lot of examples both in history, you know, the dark things humans have done with technology and and the great knowledge and how we've put it to evil. And what can science do? It actually. I mean, I don't know if it's nefarious. It, it, it is troublesome to some people that science sits back almost and says, well, that's not our realm. And you want to say, well, you're a human being, aren't you? Don't you, don't you want to react to how people are using your stuff and, and, and warn them? And, and sometimes scientists do that, and, and I think they're maybe trying to act, you know, they're trying to do the right thing, but they have to admit they're going beyond the purview of science, the, the, the point of science. It is something when science gets reduced to this to mechanics and yeah. and the scientist becomes a technician then then there's a very great danger because there's no the, the great good is the advance of the mechanism and how can you stand back and say no that advance of that mechanism is bad you know i mean this is a problem that we're going to really run into i mean tomorrow we're going to run into this right around the corner is we we have now the technology to edit the human genome you know, and and so the technology is there, and it's it's almost impossible for the scientist to say it's bad; it shouldn't be used. Be, uh, th there's just no capacity to make that sort of judgment because the advancing of the technology is such a good in and of itself, so that that there's no way to look at the end and or to look at the beginning and see how things ought to be, or what things should be shaped like. It's just driven by this constant. Uh, this constant need for change. And I imagine, Pastor Rebow, you see that especially dealing with tech stuff because it's one of the obsessions of the of the tech-minded folk to simply press for advancement and um, and have no concern about the good or the bad of the thing. I, I suppose so, but it's uh, it truly is a blessing to be working at Concordia Publishing House with a focus on improving the lives of our churches and our pastors and our church members and using these tools uh, to that end. It, it truly is a blessing to be in that kind of environment. But, you know, I have an undergraduate degree in computer science. My wife has a graduate degree in hard science. She's a, she studied physics in graduate school. And, you know, we, we've talked a lot about science. And I think there, there's a challenge because science and Christianity aren't opposed to one another at all. It's just that sometimes uh, uh, a certain uh, segment of the scientific community gets involved in what really is more history than science and tries to take uh, these observations and then apply them to events that have taken place in the, pla in the past and explain those events in a way that 
whether on purpose or by accident, really just comes from an atheistic worldview. It's the idea of trying to explain things apart from God. And of course, we would say, apart then from Scripture and God's self-revelation of himself that we receive through Scripture. Yeah, uh, what's an example of that, uh, the reading, doing history instead of doing science? Well, uh, I would, um, you know, one of the things I learned in the parish is I would intentionally not try to step in to be an expert in the sciences, even though I, you know, I have a college degree, too, and study a lot of science and math back in undergraduate especially. But, you know, I would defer to those at people in my parishes with, you know, PhDs in chemistry or other sciences. And, um, and they were faithful Christians, too. They, they didn't see a conflict here. In fact, it was those with the PhD in physics or chemistry that were more ready to say, yeah, we don't have all the answers than sometimes those with an undergraduate degree in social sciences that um, is assuming that a theory like evolution uh, gives us a, a solid answer for the origins of mankind. But, um, but what, one of the things that I would do, for instance, with a confirmation class or a, a, a class of youth is I would do things like put things on the table and arrange them in a certain way, and then as the class comes in, have us all try and come up with a theory for how the things uh, came to be in the places and in the positions that they were. And of course, I'm the only one who has the answer, because I'm the one who put them there. And I'm the one who, at the end of the exercise, can give them revelation to explain where they came from, why they're there, and why they're in the spots that they're in. We could employ the scientific method all day long, and still not get that right answer. That's fantastic. And and this is the point now, when it comes to the knowledge of what is true, it is only theology that gives us a true history, a true cosmology, a true story of the origin, that we came from the speaking of God, and also it is only theology, not science or reason, that can tell us where we're going. Namely, the, the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting, the new heaven and the new earth where righteousness dwells. This is the great joy of theology. Not only does it give us a true insight into what is, but also a true insight into what was and also uh, what will be, which is Christ in all and his work to bring us to life with him. You're listening to Cross Defense. We're going to bring Peeper into the conversation. After the break, I'm with uh, Pastor Sean Denzer of... Pastor Rob Rebau of St. Louis. I'm Pastor Brian Wolfmuller, Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Stick with us to the short break. We'll be right back. Now that we Christians no longer practice the ceremonial laws of the Old Testament, what is this hymn title talking about? At the Lamb's High Feast, we sing. What feast is that speaking of? With Mark Smith, we will discuss that on the next Law and Gospel. Weekday mornings beginning at 9.30 on KFUO. 
A long-standing tradition here at Worldwide KFUO is to broadcast live worship services for those unable to attend worship or for those who benefit from hearing God's Word online or on KFUO. This Sunday, our 8 a.m. worship comes from Peace Lutheran Church in St. Louis, Missouri, where Rev. Dr. Dennis Caston presides as senior pastor. Our 1045 worship comes from Hope Lutheran Church in St. Anne, Missouri, where Rev. Timothy Ostermeyer presides as senior pastor. Come worship with us on Sunday mornings on Worldwide KFUO, the messenger of good news. Concord Matters is a show seeking agreement in Christian confession. I'm Pastor Charles Henriksen, one of the hosts of Concord Matters, heard on Worldwide KFUO each Tuesday at 2 p.m. Central and a repeat on Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. Central. We take an in-depth look at the Book of Concord with some fine Lutheran theologians. Concord Matters, live on Tuesdays at 2 p.m. on Worldwide KFUO, the messenger of good news. Did you know a charitable gift annuity to KFUO provides you a lifetime of cash payments? Gift annuity pay rates are based on age, making this way of giving attractive to listeners 65 years or older. If you have questions or would like to have a personal illustration of a gift annuity, call Mary at 314-996-1518. We'll send a representative out to answer your questions and help you establish a legacy of giving to your favorite radio station, Worldwide KFUO. That music tells me I'm supposed to introduce cross-defense. we got to get back into action here. Pastor Brian Wolfmuller with Pastor Sean Denzer, Pastor Rob Rebow, talking about uh, science, reason, theology, faith, and all that sort of stuff uh, this afternoon on KFUO. Uh, glad you're joining us, listening in, and joining the conversation. Please let us know. You can easiest way to get a hold of me is the Twitter. B. Wolfmuller, I think, is the name. I'll probably check it sometime later this week. So don't send emergency questions there. Uh, just, but anyhow, uh, you can uh, follow us also at KFUO Radio is the other Twitter handle. You can send questions uh, there as well. I'm going to introduce Dr. Peeper into the conversation, and really, he's going to come in and uh, and introduce us to the question of of theology and reason. What is the right role of reason in theology? And Peeper's going to say that. We prefer not to call theology a science because an evil odor attaches to this term due to its use in modern theology. And modern for the people, this is turn of the century, 1900 uh, is his context. But it's still true today. Modern theologians call theology a science in the sense that it is the business of theology to elevate faith to knowledge, to demonstrate the truth of the Christian doctrine before the forum of human reason, and this, says Dr. Pieper, is impossible. So let's talk about reason, the good and the bad of reason. It's been uh, often quoted or pointed out that Luther called reason a whore, and he had all sorts of bad things to say about reason, but that is not the full picture. Uh, Pastor Danzer, could give us a little introduction to, the, uh, to maybe Luther's thoughts or even just the biblical thought about the good and the bad of human reason. I think in the in the past, I mean, we mentioned Thomas Aquinas. Um, a lot of people had talked about reasons, the thing that separates man from the animals. It's the thing that defines man, therefore, and makes him most important. Uh, the most important thing about him, he can think, right? He can he can do all sorts of wonderful things, come to all sorts of great conclusions, and that means because of that great gift, he can understand the whole world and everything about it. Uh, and the trouble is reason is is not outside of the corruption of sin and uh human reason uses its great good gifts uh 
to prop itself up and to and to make itself greater than it thinks, and in fact to to try and usurp God's place. So um, one of the one of the ways to see reason in its proper place that is a pretty classic way of talking about it is whether reason gets to be the master or whether reason gets to be the handmaid, whether it's uh, the one that's in charge uh, telling everybody else what to do and maybe in some places just to be quiet, you're wrong, or whether reason actually comes underneath and, and reason has something to learn and sometimes has to hold its mouth and say, this is beyond me. Um, and uh, I need to believe it. And, and what's the thing that it's either exalting itself over or uh, sitting underneath to learn from? And that's God's Word, the, the Holy Scriptures. Um, but, but that's the very thing. I mean, we, we've said it before on the show, and many guests have in different ways, but this theology, these words and the study of God, this knowledge of God, where in the world is that knowledge coming from? Are we coming to it ourselves? Are we speculating? Or is God giving it to us? And the assertion of, of Peeper is God is giving us the knowledge. He's handing it over to us. That's what he's doing when he's speaking in his word, when he's giving us the Holy Scriptures. And reason uh, isn't going to discover that on its own. It isn't going to go through his word and, and tease out the things that are good or useful or not useful. It's going to sit underneath it and, and is going to have to, in fact, be instructed and sometimes silenced by God's word, which is supreme. That's nice. Pastor Rebow, thoughts, uh, thoughts to add to that? Yeah, I think uh, to summarize it succinctly or simply, um, you know, we use reason incorrectly when we use reason to tell God what he meant to say, or we use reason to tell God what he should have said but neglected to say. Instead, we use reason correctly when we unpack what God has said to us. When we use reason, we have to use reason reading language is using reason, but this is using reason in the way that is, is, uh, gives honor and respect to God's Word, not using reason in a way that it props itself up in the place of God or uh, to correct God when he has uh, neglected to say something, or when reason believes that he should have said something differently. Hmm. Yeah, that's uh, the old theologian. I think I can't remember if Dr. Pieper will use this distinction, but some of the old theologians will talk about the ministerial versus the magisterial use of reason. So is our reason a minister to serve God's Word, or is our reason acting like a magistrate, a lord over God's Word? That's bad, and that's going to be the essence of every heresy, of every false religion and false doctrine. It puts human reason or human experience or human whatever over and against God's Word. Uh, Pieper says we, we cannot do that because of the testimony of the Scriptures. And here he brings out this famous passage, 1 Corinthians uh, 2, verse 14, which, by the way, is the favorite passage, I think, of our old Lutheran fathers to talk about original sin. We, we love Ephesians 2, 1. We're dead in trespasses and sins, and that's a beautiful verse for that doctrine. But these guys, even more, like 1 Corinthians uh, 2, 14, which says... The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, neither can it. So the flesh, that means our fallen human nature, cannot receive the things. Of the, we can receive a lot of things according to the flesh. You know, reason and the flesh can do a lot of good in this world, but they can't do theology. The flesh is a horrible theologian. In fact, every time the flesh starts doing theology, uh, we end up with heresy. Uh, Pastor Rebau, uh, on this doctrine or theologizing of the flesh, uh, or the, let me ask it this way, 
uh, what limits does the scripture put on the ability of our flesh to do orthodox theology? Well, out of the heart comes sinful thoughts, murder and adultery. It's our sinful flesh that gets in the way. And, um, yeah, I mean, we, we can't use something that has fallen to, um, to be, as, as you said, people will use this language later on, uh, the ministerial use of reason, the magisterial use of reason. Whenever our flesh and our reason tries to, uh, be, to be in charge of God or uh, sit above his theology, it's going to come from a sinful source. Uh, we are fallen human beings, and um, that's, that's not going to be the place to go. It, it's, it's the same way with all revelation and theology. If we're going to our heart, we're looking to our emotions or our feelings, uh, these things can lie to us, so they can lead us astray. We're fallen. Pastor Denzer. I don't maybe our listeners have had that experience to you um I think if there's any adjective that gets attached to Christianity and to those who take the scripture seriously it's probably dumb stupid they don't think they're not intelligent um and so I think we our response is to want to speak as intelligently we want to build as many bridges we maybe want to cross over onto their territory right talk about reason and through that reason make it so that the scriptures look incredibly attractive um, Jesus and the gospel um, makes total rational sense. And then, I mean, by doing this, we're going to really sell the faith. We're really going to finally cross that bridge and show them, no, we're not stupid. We're, we're worthy of all your uh, respect, and uh, we're entirely reasonable. And, and the sad thing here is, Paul in 1 Corinthians, as well as the point Peter's trying to make um, with that word, is, no, that, that is precisely wrong. You're not going to present the gospel uh, through all the rational arguments in such a way that somebody's going to look at it from the outside uh, with, without the Holy Spirit and say, yeah, this, is, this is, makes total sense to me, and now I'm going to embark on the great mission of believing it. And uh, thanks for showing it to me reasonably. Now give me a second, and I'm going to believe. That is, that is not the way it works at all. Peeper's going to make a, po- a few points for us, which are really quite wonderful. He says, Jesus did not ask the Church to prove the Gospel to humanity, but to proclaim it. That is fantastic. The Apostle Paul certainly knew science and philosophy, but at the same t- Apostle Paul would have us know that he never resorted in his preaching, even with dealing with highly educated public, to scientific demonstrations. He would not offer his hearers such false props for their faith. He told the Corinthians, quote, My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in, st- but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That's 1 Corinthians 2. So the old theologian said that Christian theology is able to present and able to preach Christian doctrine to the world. Christian theology does not attempt to prove its truth by rational or philosophical arguments. So the difference between, uh, Pastor Rebaugh, the difference between proving the gospel versus preaching the gospel. Yes, I think it makes us uncomfortable uh, knowing that the gospel is for the world. We want to find some way to make the gospel palatable or understandable to the world. And I think it makes us uncomfortable. I think that's where this motivation of trying to find a way to um, uh, to prove it rationally. To you know, we don't want to seem like we're irrational people, um, and so so we feel pressured into finding these scientific proofs or trying to prove our faith in, in a different way. But 
it, it, it makes us uncomfortable because at the end of the day, we just have to admit that Christianity is a supernatural faith. The Holy Spirit has worked in our life through these particular means of grace. He has given us faith in Jesus Christ, and at the end of the day, we can't explain how. We can simply talk about the, the, the reality that we have in Christ. We can point people to Christ. We can talk about what Christ has done for us. We can talk about His life for the world. And we can't, we can't prove it. And, and so, so it makes people, I think, uncomfortable, desiring. They, they know it's for the world, but they don't know how to get it. They, they want to make the world accept it. And at the end of the day, uh, the world rejects it. We, by nature, reject the things of God. It's only when the Holy Spirit works through those means of grace to penetrate through our rejection and rebellion against God that we receive faith in Christ, and we, we then turn back and say, yes, okay, I can come back to science now, and I can understand these things, but I'm going to understand them from a different point of view. I'm going to look at them as a Christian and not as somebody who might reject God or reject Christ and cling to these scientific truths as the answer to, uh, for answers in the universe. Yeah, what is, what is the difference, Pastor Tenzer, uh, with, to go with what Pastor Reba was saying here, what's the difference between looking at reason and looking at scientific stuff from a Christian perspective versus a non-Christian perspective? Hmm. Maybe it's, I kind of like that word that he used, supernatural, um, talking about what what faith is. And yet the trouble is, anytime you hear the word supernatural, I think people, what what do we think of, like ghost stories? And and everything that falls under the category of absolutely made up and not true, right? And and we're convinced none of this is true. Uh, What the word is trying to express is this is beyond beyond ordinary, uh, also beyond that scientific um, limited uh, explanation of things where we're going to observe through empirical evidence uh, what's happening now and therefore comprehend it. Um, uh, it I think that's the difference, is, is the Christian then is free to use science within that limited capacity, uh, the limited very usefulness that it has, and not feel that something is missing, not feel that science is, is being restrained by that, but that science has full freedom within that to do, to do its very useful task um, of of investigation and of and of discovery and of and of understanding. Francis Pieper is going to push this distinction between proving the gospel versus preaching the gospel a little bit further for us. Uh, he says the Christian theology uh, is not able to present or preach the Christian doctrine of the world. Sorry, is the ability to present or preach. Christian theology does not attempt to prove by rational or philosophical arguments. And then he continues, as for proving its truth, the Holy Spirit, united with the Word, takes care of that when he crushes secure hearts through the preaching of the law and creates faith in the gospel through the preaching of God's gospel. That absolutely settles the case. Just deal with realities. The man in whom the law of God has wrought contrition has lost all interest in rational and philosophical proofs because he has crushed and he has been crushed and knocked into a heap. So that when the gospel has wrought faith in the Savior of sinners in him, he rejoices in the saving divine truth and does not ask to have the truth demonstrated to him scientifically. That's the meaning of the axiom. The best apology of the Christian religion is proclamation. Now this might uh, this might cause a fight uh, nowadays this this distinction, uh, but but I think it's well worth considering exactly what people are saying here is that reason is often 
not the way to get to faith. Reason can, in some ways, support faith. In some ways, it can fight against faith. But the chief thing is the Lord's work of law and gospel to create faith uh, in the hearts. Pastor Denzer, get us started on that topic. We'll have to go to a quick break uh, in just a few minutes, and then we'll be back, Pastor Rebound, to pick it up. So, Pastor Denzer, maybe about a minute. Sure. I I think what he's getting at is that, I mean, reason... The thing reason is trying to do is 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 much like what Eve had in the garden, right? Um, looking for this knowledge that'll make me, in fact, like God, and and comprehending it, and thus comprehending it. You know, even though this is outside the realm of science, I'll know what to do with it. Either way, take it this way, take it that way. You know, use it to my advantage, whatever it is. Do its best. I'll be able to do that. And the gospel, you know, the law says you're not you don't have that ability to do that you're you're not in control and the gospel says christ is taking care of it and, and that is in itself a bit offensive to reason because it says reason is not the ladder that climbs our way into heaven yeah pa- pastor Reba, about about 30 seconds for you as well on on this idea um the the limit of reason when it comes to the preaching of the gospel yes um well, I mean, reason itself is is really more in the category of law than gospel. And I think, um, uh, you know, to lose your faith in reason is the place where you where where the gospel comes in and um, and is able to to give you what you truly seek and need after you've been crushed by the law and and being crushed by your inability to understand through reason alone is a part of that process. The gospel creates faith. It is the Holy Spirit working through the Word that gives us faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of Christ. And this is the key thing for us to consider. Uh, no, The devils know. Uh, they know about God. They know the truth of the Scripture. And yet they do not believe, and they are therefore damned. So when we're dealing with the truths of the Scripture, we're dealing with something uh, that is above reason, Isaiah says, uh, God says through Isaiah, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. We can know them. We might not be able to get to them on our own, which is why we need the Scripture. But when the Holy Spirit takes the Scripture into his hands, he comes and he gives us this certainty of faith, the joy, the forgiveness of sins. More about this when we come back from the break. I'm Pastor Brian Wolfmuller hosting Cross Defense with Pastor Rebow, Pastor Denzer, uh, this Monday afternoon. Stick with us. We'll be back in 90 seconds. This week on Issues Etc., we'll discuss the 500th anniversary of Martin Luther's Heidelberg Disputation with Dr. Cameron McKenzie. We'll have Pastor Brian Wolfmiller introduce us to the book of Second Chronicles, and we'll discuss dating, marriage, and good spouses with Pastor Jonathan Fisk. Issues Etc., live weekday afternoons from 3 to 5 on KFUO. I was glad when they said to me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. Psalm 122, verse 1. Each weekday, the servants of God at the LCMS International Center gather together to receive the gifts of God in His Word. I invite you to join us weekdays, 10 a.m., for a live broadcast of daily chapel services on KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere.
William Shakespeare, the playwright and poet, was born in 1564 and died at the age of 52 on April 23, 1616. He grew up in a culture familiar with the Bible. Shakespeare's Bible was likely the Geneva Bible, but he also drew from other versions used during his lifetime, like the Psalms used at Anglican church services. He frequently integrated biblical allusions into his writing. One example of a biblical phrase used by Shakespeare is based on 1 Samuel 3, 2. His eyes began to wax dim that he could not see. Shakespeare used the expression wax dim in his Henry VI. This is but one of over 1,200 references Shakespeare made to the Bible in his prolific writings. Engage with this book of all books, impacting the arts over the centuries. Brought to you by Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C. Hopefully no one was counting. It was 122nd break, but we're back. Pastor Brian Wolfmuller of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. You can find more information about some of the stuff I'm working on at wolfmuller.co. It's W-O-L-F-M-U-E-L-L-E-R.co. I'm with Pastor Denzer, uh, who is from North Dakota. Pastor Rebau joining us from St. Louis. And we're talking about reason, theology, science, etc., and especially now the role of apologetics. I'm going to let people uh, bring us into this last um, topic of consideration, which is apologetics, the role of apologetics, the right role, the limits of apologetics, and the helpfulness of apologetics. That's a lot to talk about in 15 minutes, but we'll do it. Pieper says, a word on the rational proof for the Christian religion employed in apologetics. The Christian apologist is in a position to show any rational man, particularly if he, have a well, if he has a well-trained mind, good luck finding one of those guys, but anyway, I digress. That after all, it would appear more reasonable to accept the claims of Christianity than to reject them as false. But the Christian apologist must ever keep in mind that his real business is not to demonstrate the truth of the Christian religion to the unbeliever, but, and here, tune on for this, this is an amazing phrase, to uncover the insincerity of unbelief. For all who reject Christianity do so consciously or unconsciously because of their evil will and not because of their pretended, quote, intellectual honesty. Now that is a lot to talk about. I want to unpack it with you guys uh, here for the next, for the last segment. So let's see, Pastor Rebau, get us started. What are your first impressions on what Pieper is saying here? He's, he probably makes three assertions. Pick one and go for it. Sure. Sure. I, I was thinking of, of phrasing this a little bit differently. Um, well, this is what a fantastic quote, right? Uh, just, just, just beautiful, beautiful stuff from from Pieper here. But I think you know the the goal here with somebody, and I, I imagine there are some people, uh, perhaps scientists, uh, who are listening to the program today that are frustrated with what we're talking about or how we're talking about it. But what I would challenge someone who is trusting in science to do is, is to question whether or not um, a scientific worldview alone truly gives them all of the answers. And rather than trying to use science and reason to prove Christianity, I think what Pieper's driving us to, to here is, why not use science to, to, to instead instill some doubt in the ability of scientific knowledge and reason to answer every question and to and to deal with the realities of sin, of death. Um, you know, no amount of reason will take these things away. We all deal with them. 
we all struggle with uh, the questions that can't be answered through reason and science. Instead of trying to use science to prove Christianity, why don't you use science to instill some doubt in science to answer the things that only Christianity can answer? So, so using apologetics not to assert the truth, but to break down the lies. Pastor Denzer, uh, thoughts on that, or what people's getting us, getting after us for here? I think that's right. To break down the lies, to break down, uh, to demonstrate the insincerity of unbelief. That it that uh, I think almost always it's put forward as you know we're. Christians are dumb and, and and Christians are insincere because they really just get to a point and they kind of just throw up their hands and say, well, you know, God created it, so I don't have to investigate or care or or think. And uh, and, and maybe there is some truth. There probably must be some truth to that, which is a shame. I think Christians are supposed to be demonstrating their reasonableness, Paul says, uh, quoting the Psalms. But uh, at the same time, it. it we find that it is not that it is not the case. It is surprising sometimes how how quiet science is when when things that are very unscientific are being tossed out there. I, it, since sin and and human nature was brought up by Pastor Rebell and what you were saying, I think it's it's great to point out that when there's disasters, when there's trouble, it is incredible how everyone wants to assert that men are good. And I don't know what the, I don't know how you prove that men are good scientifically. But it would seem to me that a simple sample, I think this qualifies as a very soft science, but a simple sample would show that that humans, uh, probably quantity-wise, are far more evil in what they say, do, and think than what they actually do that's wonderful and good in this world. Um, I don't know if that can be proved in anything that can be called science or empirical evidence, but um, I bet it could. And I think that's what he's getting at when he says, you know, Christian apologists are doing these, you know, they're not getting some grand formula that says, you know, Christianity equals true uh, when you reduce it down. But they are trying to show that, look, if you want to go by probability, if you want to go by reasonableness, it, it actually seems much more reasonable, like he says, to accept the claims of Christianity than to say, well, it's much more probable that Christianity is all a lie and it's totally false and is just insincere. Um, I, I want to make a suggestion, and yeah, I want to hear what you guys think about this, um, because it seems to me like there's there's a big debate in the Lutheran Church about the role of apologetics, and it seems like you, you end up on one of two different kind of opinions. Number one is you put a lot of stock in apologetics. You become an apologist, and, and the apologetics that seems uh, especially in vogue for us nowadays is the evidentialist approach. So you're going back, you're looking at the manuscript evidence, you're looking at the proofs for the resurrection of Jesus, and you're seeing that these are all very, very uh, probable, likely historical truths. And so you start with the f- historical fact of the resurrection of Jesus. You argue from there, and you're all about it. You're centered right on the apologetics. Then you have the other side of things, um, which is going to kind of go the opposite way and say, no, no, there's no place for apologetics, or very, very little place for apologetics. What we need is the preaching of law and gospel. You don't try to explain the gospel. You don't try to argue for it. You just preach it. You preach people as sinners. You you damn them to hell, and then you lift them up with the forgiveness of sins. And Peeper, and I think this quote would be used to support that sort of thing, but I, I would like to suggest that what Peeper is saying here is something that I've very rarely heard said, but it would be something like this. When it comes to rational discussion... There is no more rational philosophy than what Christianity presents. There's no better ethic 
than what Christianity provides. There's no better philosophy than what we would learn from the scriptures. We have the absolute best when it comes to reason and science. It's, it's phenomenal. It doesn't get any better than that. But what we have in the gospel is even better. So it's not like gospel, the, the apologetics stands against theology. It's, it's like, it's like we're, we are a, a, a steakhouse that also happens to have like the best ice cream ever but you don't go for the ice cream. You go for the award-winning steaks. It's just but everything is good. So, the, so that Christian apologetics is fantastic, and Christian preaching of law and gospel is even better than that fantasticness of, the, uh, of apologetics. What, what do you think about that, Pastor Rebell? Yeah, I think uh, we don't need to make an enemy out of apologetics. It depends on what you mean by apologetics and what are you using this quote-unquote apologetics for. A lot of what gets labeled as apologetics is really nothing more than just education, being educated about history, being educated about science, and happening to be a Christian at the same time who will use that knowledge about science or history in, um, in service to Christianity instead of uh, rather than trying to pull Christianity apart. You know, there, there's nothing wrong with knowing facts from science or history that um, perhaps you know, are more supportive of our Christian narrative than 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 uh, than unsupportive, and um, yeah. So I would say that it depends on what you're doing with it and what you mean by that. Uh, certainly, what Peeper is getting to is what's the role of apologetics, and do we need apologetics to reason people into the Christian faith? And the answer is no. Well, you can't reason people into the Christian faith. Only God can do it through the means of grace, through the Holy Spirit, through Christ. It's by bringing Christ to people that they become Christians, not reasoning them into the faith. Pastor Denzer. Mm. Uh, it makes me think of life in the parish, and just, uh, I have, I don't know if other pastors have this struggle, but I, I struggle, I go back and forth on kicks where I think, you know, man, I really have been dropping the ball, I need to have a lot more apologetics in my catechism class, I should probably just rewrite it all. And then I think, no, I probably should just get rid of it, what little I have, and, and, and don't waste my time, because, uh, you know, the kind of arguments Peeper makes. And uh, I don't know, I, th I think every Christian goes through phases like that, too, where, where their doubts are centered in their conscience uh, for things that are, you know, their own sins, very personal, very very individual, and sometimes doubt uh, centered in things they've heard that maybe rattled them or, or caused them to think and, and have a doubt in this direction. Um, it's... <laughs> It's just so difficult, right? I mean, we kind of have two audiences, as I think, for apologetics, for defense, and that's one. We have uh, we have a you know those who are tearing down the Christian faith, or as Pastor Reba said, maybe even just they've got their facts wrong, right? And they need to be educated. I don't know. Uh, myths are everywhere, you know. There's some great articles I've seen recently defending holidays that you know everyone says, well, that has pagan origins. Actually, if you just this isn't you know physics. This is history. You look back, you read some text, you figure out which text was written first, and you find out, oh, Christians were celebrating this long before pagans had anything associated with it. Um, what, what do you call that? That's a form of apologetics. Who is it for? Is it for our own members? I think, yeah, that, that they should say, well, hold on, maybe, maybe I shouldn't just believe everything that pops up on Facebook. And it's probably also for others. They've, they've heard this, this old saw repeated over and over again. Uh, you know, that Christians always believed the world was flat and stuff, and uh, and maybe it turns out that wasn't actually quite right. Uh, even back in the early church fathers, they knew it was round. Uh, stuff like that, that just is easily 
kind of untangled uh, and and then and then it's and then it's the tough part, and I think that's maybe what Peeper's trying to remind us. It would be easy for every pastor to become an English teacher. It'd be easy for every pastor to become a history teacher, and pretty soon it feels like you have to do everything. But finally, the the unique thing and the necessary thing that only a pastor, I, I mean, is going to be doing, and only a Christian for sure is going to be doing, is troubling consciences with the law uh, and then rescuing them with the gospel. I think this is right. That it seems like the one of the best things for apologetics, anyways, kind of our classical apologetics, where we look at the arguments, the rational arguments for the faith. Uh, is that they resonate with the sanctified reason. So as the Lord has rescued us and given us faith, now it also it comes along to support the faith. So I often find myself, you guys got to tell me if this is your experience too, but I'll just be driving along or walking along or whatever, and it's like the devil just drops a, a bomb of unbelief in my imagination or in my mind, and I think maybe the whole thing isn't true. You know, maybe the Bible isn't even true. Maybe maybe we weren't created by God in six days or whatever. And and I I, I can sort of see myself thinking these things, having these doubts. I wonder where they come from, and maybe I even know. And and then I'm able to go and and remember those things, the the philosophy and the arguments and the apologetics uh, proofs, and it's able to. Uh, fight off the devil's assault of doubt that's in the mind. Now, it didn't get me to faith, but in some ways it stands there defending uh, the faith that the Lord has delivered through the Holy Spirit. Am, am I alone on that, Pastor Reba? You know something like that? Yeah, I think I know what you're saying, although I I, I honestly have a little bit of a different experience, um, and as I'm not saying this. Uh, you know, I'm never really moved by going back to um, scientific proofs in apologetics, I, I always find it if I if I if, I'm, if my faith is weak, if I'm struggling with a question, just go back to Jesus. Go back and, and read some of the Gospel of John, or go back and um, and listen to a sermon, a good sermon that's uh, law and gospel, and um, you know that that helps. Go to church, uh, uh, repent of my sins, and receive the sacrament. It really helps get into the scripture. Um, I just find that helps more. It just and it you know it, it, what happens is the questions melt away, and um, and I think that's where we need to get with these these questions. And I think apologetics, uh, well-meaning, and I think there's a place, like I said before, in some sense we can say this is education, but at times it's it's putting the cart before the horse. It's like if only we could prove scientifically uh, the Christian faith, then we would believe in Jesus. I would argue, no, 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 we believe in Jesus. And because of that, I'm not afraid of any uh, scientific, quote-unquote, fact that may seem to contradict my Christian faith. I trust in Christ, and that's bigger than anything else that I might experience in life. He's bigger than my sin, he's bigger than my reason, and he's forgiven me, he's redeemed me. And because of that, as a redeemed human being, I can come back and I'm not afraid of uh, studying science anymore. I'm not afraid of reading a book that may uh, at some level have some question uh, facts of the Christian faith. I can wrestle with those and look at those from a different perspective, standing in the forgiveness that Jesus has given me and has won for me. The unbeliever builds up walls of protection, and Peeper's talking about that. The insincerity of unbelief is uncovered by our apologetics, and we recognize that those who reject Christianity do so knowingly or unknowingly because of their will, their evil will, and not because of intellectual honesty. Now, that's not often how it's presented. 
Uh, Pastor Denzer, we're going to have to kind of take it home on this question. A lot of times people pr- present the reasons for their unbelief as, you know, they have these great scientific discoveries. You know, they've, 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 uh, the honesty of evolution, and now they've helped to to break out of the kind of mythology of their Christian youth or something like this. But but Pieper says that's not it at all. It's the evil will that causes unbelief, and the thing that's that corrects the evil will is the preaching of law and gospel. So uh, take us into that just for um, about a minute or so. Oh sure. Uh, well, the internet is so snarky today, and just it, uh, it's it's really hard to I think for a Christian to know how do you how do you sort through all this stuff. But I see it especially in kind of the um, popular science world, uh, you know, foul-mouthed, and, and I don't know if that just goes with atheism, too. I don't know if that's the evil will showing up. But but it, what, what I think presents itself to the person observing this or, or wondering about it is it, it really doesn't it doesn't present itself up, uprightly, um, searching for a noble truth. Uh, maybe everything we think about the people in Peeper's day, they 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 seem to be so just noble, you know, the, the noble atheists. I I have not been seeing that lately. I, I have been seeing people who you almost want to say, "Are you protesting too much? Uh, <laughs> are you? Uh, why are you so insecure yeah. about this?" and um, and, and you know it's difficult for us to maybe connect it one to one, but to realize that that we know this from the scriptures, frankly, uh, far better than we know from experience or any of my empirical studies of people is just that we we do not want God to be God. We we do want to be the center of the world, uh, whether whether the earth is at the center of the universe or not. Um, we want to be the center personally, and 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 that is our evil heart. And and. Science, um, atheism, uh, this worldview becomes a way to guarantee that for us. Rather, Pastor Denzer, thank you. Pastor Rebow, thank you as well. Thank you guys for being on the show. This is Cross Defense. I'm Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. Uh, thank you guys for listening, for joining us on this theological adventure. You get six days, 23 hours off. We'll see you next week for some more. Tearing down the false worldviews and building it up, building our consciences, our hearts, even our reason up with the pure and holy word of God, where we hear of our sin and we hear of the kindness of our Savior Jesus Christ that endures forever, that brings us at last to joys eternal. See you next week. Listening to Cross Defense, produced by Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Your support is vital for this program to continue. To learn about giving opportunities, call Mary at 314 996 1518, or you can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at KFUO.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Cross Defense on Worldwide KFUO.